to The Gaggle, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what you'll find in print. I'm Michael Squires, the politics editor at the Arizona Republican AZ Central, and I'm at our Arizona Capitol Bureau with... Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover the state legislature and state government. Ron Hansen. I write about the congressional delegation. Dan Nowicki. I'm the national political reporter. Dustin Gardner, Phoenix City Hall reporter. Yvonne Winget Sanchez, state politics reporter. This week, Senator John McCain rips into President Trump. The governor signs some bills and vetoes some others. And we get a reality check on the Trump budget from Ron Hansen. But let's start with some uh, brouhaha at Phoenix uh, City Hall. Dustin Gardner, what's been going on there? So last week we reported that the Arizona Attorney General's Office is investigating Councilman Michael Nowakowski, and this all stems back to a 2015 land deal. Um, the, the councilman was accused of failing to disclose a conflict of interest related to the, the sale of some city-owned land downtown. And uh, you reported that, that several city employees have been interviewed as part of this investigation. And what was the response there? Was this known inside City Hall that this had happened? Yeah, so we were able to confirm that three city officials have been interviewed so far by the AG's office. Um, in a lot of ways, I think this was kind of an open secret in City Hall. Um, some people were surprised that it was still ongoing, but we were finally able to confirm it on the record and, and get the public records to get it out there. These interviews occurred about a year ago, am I correct? We don't know the exact time frame on all of them, but at least several months ago, at least far, far back, as far back as into t- late 2016. And uh, it appears that, that another councilman had, had a comment on, on some of the interviews and the, and the employees being involved in that. Yeah, so after the story broke, Councilman Sal DeCicio, um sent the city manager a letter dema- demanding the names of the city employees interviewed by the AG and also demanding their disciplinary records and his demands uh, struck a lot of nerves in City Hall. Mayor Stanton um, came out yesterday and accused uh, Sal DeCicio of trying to intimidate these city employees from talking to the AG. And some context here is that Sal DeCicio is a very close friend and ally of Michael Nowakowski, who is, who is under an investigation. Dustin, I'm wondering, what does this do for Nowakowski's political future? Is is he term limited as a councilman or is he up this year for re-election? So he is term limited. This is his last term as a council member, uh, his last consecutive term anyway. Uh, there is some speculation that he might run for mayor, but we'll, we'll see if that happens now considering. Dan Nowicki, tell us about uh, John McCain's latest uh, uh, jab at President Trump. This has been kind of an ongoing uh, feud. Right. Um, everybody remembers uh, the feud. It's been going back probably about two years now between uh, Trump and McCain. This week, uh, or in the past week or so, McCain's kind of stepped up the rhetoric again. He, he started off by saying uh, Trump's scandals and controversies have, have reached Watergate size and, and scope. He's kind of, Watergate size and scale, rather. And so he kind of walked that back a little bit. He was just saying, well, it's getting to be so big. He really needs to clear the air and, and get it all out so he can move on with his presidency. Uh, he's also been very critical of the May 10th Oval Office meeting between Trump and the Russian diplomats. Um, McCain, obviously, big-time critic of Putin and the Russian government. He uh, actually provoked a response from the Kremlin with a comedy made uh, calling the Russian foreign minister who Trump met with uh, the stooge for a thug and a murderer. That prompted uh, official uh, uh, official uh, rebuke. Thug and murder, all the right. Senate. 
Right, the thug and the murderer being Putin, of course. Of course. And so uh, Putin's spokesman said, oh, this is just more of McCain's well-known maniacal hatred for our country, and thank God that this guy doesn't have anything to do, any influence on U.S.-Russian relations, kind of just brushing it off. But it seemed pretty clear he got under the, the skin over there in the Kremlin. So uh, Trump's not one to let a, a slight go unanswered via Twitter or some other platform what what is uh, the administration said well he's been uh, trump's been overseas and thus he's been kind of preoccupied i don't know if he's been fully briefed on what mccain has been saying about him yeah i don't know if he's been able to to keep an eye on on fox news uh, one uh late breaking comment mccain made was uh, in reference to the reports about trump trying to uh, allegedly put the lid on this investigation into collusion possible collusion with the russians during its campaign uh, McCain on Tuesday made made a comment about, you know, if this was a movie, he'd say it was a pretty lousy movie, just given <laughs> kind of this kind of cornball plot device of the president trying to <laughs> to put a lid on the investigation. Is, is there any pressure on McCain to kind of tone it down? Oh, no, I don't think so. Uh, he's been a pretty good team player despite his, you know, bad blood with Trump. He's, he's voted largely for Trump's cabinet nominations for example he is gets a lot of pressure uh, from the other side to do more than just uh, criticize and you see that every time I, I post a story on twitter it's sort of like you know you have to do more than talk mccain is the response i get from my twitter followers so governor doug ducey signed some of the final pieces of legislation from the session but also brought out his veto pen or stamp or whatever it is he uses to veto mary joe pitzel what did he not like in that batch of bills he had six bills that he didn't like. Um, one of them was a student journalism First Amendment protection bill uh, sponsored by Senator Kimberly Yee. She was trying to revive a measure that she was involved with when she was a student uh, back in the day. That never got through the legislature. This time it came through with bipartisan support only to have the governor veto it. He also nuked um, a bill that uh, on teacher evaluations, which teachers complain will now mean that they will continue to be evaluated on students who no longer are in their classroom. And Yvonne's got some insight on probably the more interesting veto of the bunch. This was a bill by Lake Havasu Senator Sonny Borelli. Uh, this was um, designed to allow uh, farmers to rotate in uh, hemp crops and produce and distribute hemp to uh, companies that use this product for all sorts of things, lotions, cosmetics, furniture, um, clothing, food even. Um, but the governor said, no way, no how, this thing isn't happening. It doesn't have the proper uh, appropriation, the proper funding to run a pilot program like this. I think that uh, there was a last minute amendment run by a conservative lawmaker, uh, strip, stripping $250,000 away from the Department of Agriculture, which would have overseen this program. And that in turn gave the governor, who as we know, hates pot, uh, gave him a way to, uh, you know. But Yvonne, hemp, hemp is not pot. It is not pot, but you know, optics. So is this reefer madness gone nuts? I mean, is that what's holding up this bill? It got through the legislature. You know, I tried to get through to Mr. Borelli, and uh, this was like one of the few times I've never been able to reach him. His voicemail went, uh, or his uh, his 
phone went straight to voicemail, so I wasn't able to reach him. But earlier in the day, the governor uh, had a big ceremony, signing ceremony on the university funding bill. They had mascots from all three of the state's universities there, as well as representatives from the schools. Uh, Bob Christie of the Associated Press was the pool reporter. Noticeably missing, though, was the chairman of the Board of Regents, Greg Patterson. Why would he not be there? This is a big achievement for the regents. They fought hard for this one. It's a good question, and we're still trying to flesh that out. There does seem to be some evidence of a rift that has developed between the governor's office and the Board of Regents, and it was clear at the end of the budget negotiations that the regents and some lawmakers, excuse me, were um, battling as to shape and amounts and, and just sort of uh, their, their overall appetite for this bonding plan that the governor had made such a priority throughout the session. Um, and it was, it was clear from the tone that was taken that it was pretty contentious all the way to the finish line. And Eileen Klein uh, with the Board of Regents had um, at one point invoked the specter of litigation uh, with the state. This sort of uh, helped crank up the acrimony on this issue in particular. Um, with this issue finally getting over the finish line as part of the overall budget uh, negotiations, you have to say this is the biggest thing that has happened in higher education in the state of Arizona in at least a decade. So for the president of the Board of Regents to not be there for something that had threatened to scotch the entire budget for weeks on end, I think is reflective of uh, a deeper issue there that remains to be flushed out. Are you sure he wasn't there in the Sparky costume? That's what I was going to ask if Sparky got a plus one or that weird lumberjack from NAU. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, NAU people. I'd... Uh, so, so where does it go from here? I mean, they they got the money clearly. Uh, does does if there is this sort of rift, does it have uh, kind of lingering implications for the governor and and higher ed? There has been talk that um, some of the methods used by members of the board of regents and their representatives could have lasting. Uh, effects, uh, especially with conservative members of of the House and Senate. So I think it remains to be seen. We'll see what happens next session. There were a couple of bills that the, the Board of Regents um, tried to uh, fight off um, that would have affected them. We'll see if they come back next year. Um, I would be remiss if we left our discussion about the legislature without noting that the governor, some of the bills he signed as opposed to vetoed, he signed like 23 yesterday. Um, or 23 or so. Um, two of them are um, more tax uh, incentives, meaning tax cuts for business. Um, another one is his much disputed TANF bill, the one, Michael, that you've referred to in the past as the most disputed $3 million or $2.8 million in state history. That program will be expanded to two years, back to two years, but with more restrictions. And from my research, it shows that it is still the strictest cash aid program for low-income families in the nation. But it's a win. So the, the Trump administration is out with their budget this week, and this sends a, a frenzy everywhere. Uh, everybody's seeing how it will impact them. And we're going to turn to Ron Hansen, our resident expert, uh, to find out uh, what the impact will be in Arizona. Well, it's a $4.1 trillion spending plan uh, that's been proposed by the White House, but it's 
I think important to note that as much as anything, uh, these are sort of presidential wish lists. This is not something that has much prospect of getting enacted into law anytime soon or probably in much of its current form at the moment. So that said, we're trying to gauge where does this leave us. Um, it appears directionally that it would cut into some of the significant social welfare uh, safety net programs pretty significantly. So among those would be uh, food stamps, for example. This is a program that gets about a billion or more from the federal government right now for the state of Arizona. The proposal from the White House budget would be to eventually get the state to essentially uh, pay for about a quarter of the overall expenditures that are associated with this program. What that would translate into, uh, according to the back of my envelope, is on the order of about $330 million a year in Arizona. Uh, Just for context, that's not far from the annual money that comes via Prop 123 right now. And so you saw the hand-wringing that went into getting that enacted last year and all of a sudden to take care of the state's uh, uh, lowest-income residents' it would, you know, blow a pretty substantial uh, hole in the in the state's finances if they were to maintain the effort that they've currently got right now. Um, just to give you some sense of scale, there are about 900,000 folks on food stamps in Arizona right now. That is down from about 1.1 million at the peak of the recession. Um, Ten years ago, we had about uh, 500,000 on food stamps, but the decline has not kept up with the improvement in the economy overall. So the need seems to still be there. The The population that we're talking about is roughly the equivalent of the entire population of Tucson and Mesa right now. And I will add, Ron, that this is already on the radar of the Food Bank Association. They've been putting out news releases today talking about the initial 10% cut would, I think, be about 300,000 300, to the state. And the likelihood of this legislature in a, you know, no new taxes, in fact, cut taxes every year mode, uh, the legislature picking up the slack on that would seem remote at this point. Plus, they're going to have to deal with if uh, if there really is a, a repeal or a substantive change to Obamacare, that could shift a lot of Medicaid costs back onto the state, which is another much huger financial burden. That's right. Medicaid, uh, the overall uh, savings that they, the White House is looking at from food stamps is on the order of about $192 billion. The savings that they estimate from Medicaid are about $800 billion. Um, the White House budget assumes passage of the uh, Republican health care bill. So when you get to things like, well, how realistic is this budget going to be in terms of what is ultimately adopted? Well, if you think that the health care bill will get passed, I suppose you're on your way. But if you think that still has problems, then you see how the entire budget as a whole sort of uh, runs into landmines. One other thing that's certainly Arizona uh, interest uh, is the border wall. This would include about $1.6 billion for construction of the border wall, not in Arizona. I think it's mostly in California. This would cover about 74 miles of the southern border. 
And so it's well short. It's about less than a third of what the administration originally sought and sort of underscores how that issue just doesn't seem to be getting traction, even among Republicans in Washington. Right. And like Ron said, this is kind of a blueprint of the president's priorities. And it is kind of interesting with regard to the border wall that I think originally the number that was advertised was $4.1 billion, and it's shrunk to $1.6 billion. So that could be a signal that even the, the White House sees that Trump's dream of a big, big, beautiful wall might be slipping away. All right. In our final segment, we're going to ask what you're watching for this week. Yvonne? A vacation. Somehow I think that's going to be the answer from everyone. Dustin, what are you watching for this week? I'm going to be watching if Phoenix moves forward with a program to create a city ID card um, that would be available to undocumented immigrants. The legislature tried to, or Representative Senator Kavanaugh, sorry, tried to block that this year. His bill failed. But it turns out a lot of the immigrant groups that um, had pushed for this ID card actually aren't that enthusiastic anymore, given we have President Trump. I'm watching... uh keeping track of the uh, various congressional hearings that are going on on Capitol Hill this week and waiting for the next shoes to drop. I'm still trying to make sense of this federal budget and (laughs) and what it means for Arizona. There's uh, so many things in there and and, uh, there's a lot of moving parts to it. So we'll, we'll see what it means for Arizonans. And I'm looking for figures coming back from various state offices on how much money was spent on our independent redistricting commission legal battles The commission's work is done. They're getting ready to close up shop, and they have been sued. They were subject to about five different legal actions. They won them all, but a lot of that was at the expense of taxpayers. We'll get you the final bill. I'm going to be watching Better Call Saul. I got kind of fell behind there for a bit. Well, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at MG Squires. Mary Jo is at at. Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. You can follow me uh, at, at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm Dan Nowicki at Dan Nowicki, just like my byline. Dustin Gardner at Dustin Gardner, Gardner with an I. My husband gets slighted with mine. I'm at Yvonne Winget. Our producers are Kayla White, Hannah Gaber, and Manny Lozano. If you'd like our show and want to keep it around, please subscribe and rate it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week.